we are on. Here we are. Sylvia, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to talk to you. This is Sylvia Burnside and a dear friend now, aren't you? I'm really loving getting to know you, part yeah. of Causeway Coast Vineyard. So our conversation at the minute is this question of what is worship? And we are asking all these questions about what worship is, what is worship when we can't sing, what does that look like in our churches in this season, and Sylvia is a singing teacher. So Sylvia, you've spent your life and career learning and studying and um, performing and teaching, so that's one thing that everyone now knows about you, but tell us a little more about who you are, and you have a family, right? And you're based yeah. in Ireland. So give us a little bit of your story before we dive into the expertise that you bring today. Okay. Well, I am married to Richard and I have three kids. Well, they're not really so much kids now. They're, they're young adults. <laughs> and I've been living in Northern Ireland now for 22 years. So next year, I will have been living here every bit as long as I lived in Scotland before I moved here. Uh, so I really feel wonderfully adopted into the culture here. Um, and um, this has been a, a wonderful place to grow. This has been really, I'm going to call Northern Ireland my promised land. <laughs> because God really um, took all of the, the training, I'm gonna say, that, that happened in Scotland throughout my life um, and really began to play that out on the stage of my life here in this country. So, uh, so that, that's a wee bit, I mean, look, Harmony, I could go into loads of stuff. My family could say, oh, don't ask her because once she starts, she'll never stop. Uh, so, so it depends how much you want to know. <laughs> Well, tell us, where in Scotland are you from? Right, I grew up in the central belt of Scotland, so in a, a place called Coatbridge, um, which would be, if you look at the, the map of Scotland, there's Glasgow and there's Edinburgh, and Coatbridge is, roughly speaking, kind of in the middle. Um, and um, central Scotland is a, a wonderful place, many wonderful people. It's had years of industry growth, expanse, and um, the population's very, very thick. Um, but there, there can be things that accompany that. You know, there, there's hardships and, and you get an opportunity to really see those, um, especially when you're growing up in, in the middle of it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for those years, Harmony but I'm very happy to be where I am now. <laughs> That's wonderful. So you've lived in Northern Ireland just a little bit longer than me. I'm coming on 20 years, 20 years, yeah. So yeah, not too, yeah, not too <laughs> far off each other. So yeah. one thing I love about you, Sylvia, is you are a lot of fun and you've done some coaching with us in Belfast City Vineyard. You have now had the opportunity, the joy of teaching many of our singers, and we've so appreciated your input. Uh, but it's not just teaching that you bring, you just, you bring a real um, fun and life and an energy to what you do. So 
it's always fun to hang out with you. It's always a, a energizing space. So um, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. So tell us a little bit about your involvement in church, maybe even how long you've been in Causeway, because you're involved in worship at Causeway Coast Vineyard. Yeah. So. Well, we we have been attending at Causeway for I think it must be about six six or seven years harmony we were um holiday visitors <laughs> to causeway because of course it's that wonderful coastline and people go there on holiday and then they they call in at vineyard as part of that and um we as a family would have visited you know and, and on those terms but we we didn't see a move coming we were very settled in the church that we were in um, and uh, I don't really need to explain how it all happened except to say that we didn't see it coming um, and we had our kids and we had to sort of begin to consider ah right okay it looks like a move is happening so where do we go so the, the obvious next step actually was to to join in uh, with Causeway in a vineyard and for a number of years to be honest Harmony you might be surprised to know that I really just needed to take some rest years, mm -hmm. focusing years, um, and that could be misinterpreted as a, as a wee bit selfish. But I knew that God, I knew that He was He was asking me just to wait um, and and to really understand what He was going to do. And there was always this, actually, believe it or not, suggestion of training. In Causeway, now I don't mean me training Causeway, I mean me obtaining training from Causeway. So I was always looking and watching and listening and learning. And it's actually only been in the last couple of years that I've gotten involved with the worship side of things again. And that has been really lovely. Although I'm happy to tell you they don't really need me because they're so gifted. Yeah. I mean, fantastic team. And, and everyone really is is giving the best of themselves for that. So I am very much the blow-in. Um, I'm just blessed to be amongst them. Um, and I, I glean so much from that team. I really, really do. I am learning all the time. So it's wonderful. It's a, a tremendous privilege. That's brilliant. So you posted something on Facebook recently. Tell us about that because it's kind of gone viral, hasn't it? The last time I checked it had an awful lot of views. Yeah. I know. Yes. So, um, now, now that happened completely by accident, I may say, um, because look, I, as you rightly say, I'm a teacher. So my, my main thinking is always that responsibility of care for my pupils um, and any potential pupils who are considering coming for singing. So I, I realize I'm looking around and like you, I'm listening to the conversations and the things that are happening and I'm thinking, yeah, Sylvia, your music room needs to change. You know, something needs to change. Mm -hmm. and, and really it was very important. Uh, my, my mother actually um, suffers with um, uh, an immune system, which is, is just under par. So she, she knows this whole idea of coming in contact with viruses. And I realized that if I was to leave my music room extensively wide open to the wider public, 
I needed to make sure that my room was as safe as I could possibly make it. Mm -hmm. So the idea of the video was to say, look, I'm thinking about this, I'm aware of that, and this is what I think about the mask, and you cannot deny that there's this aspect of style and singing, you can't deny there's that, but here's the crux of it. <laughs> For your safety and mine, this is what's going to happen, and that's really what I put out. Um, and you can see that on Facebook, it, it's on the loop. <laughs> But uh, uh, and it seems to be in quite a number of countries now. But the, the big thing was safety. I wanted people to come to my music studio and know that I wasn't taking any chances whatsoever, that I was honouring their perspective, mm. their view, um, and perhaps even their underlying illness or condition that made them significantly more um, susceptible. Sorry. Um, so. Oh, I didn't expect it. <laughs> I mean, well, why? it's obviously it's obviously scratched an itch. There are a lot of people, whether they are music teachers themselves or in some way involved in singing or worship leading. Maybe they're involved in churches. But yeah. we are many of us very concerned with safety. Mm. in the environment and our and our context has changed we have all these new things to think about don't we and yeah. so i think for people who are doing what you do um that video obviously really um spoke to them so i think that's really really interesting so you are concerned with safety you're going to make some changes to how you yeah. do your teaching tell us a little bit about that well the the, the thing is harmony for for years um, I grinned and bore viruses, you know, so, so pupils would bring them into the music room. And then in, in recent years, I, I realized that if I am giving um, what we in Vineyard are so familiar with, your best yes to something, um, then you want to really honor that, that choice. So I, oh, good. Right. So I had been in the habit of saying to students, now look, I have a really important event coming up. I want to make my best preparation. Can I ask you, please, now don't, don't come with your viruses. Stay at home. If you're not feeling well, stay at home. And um, so, so actually, this concept is in no way new to my pupils. And I know I'm not alone as a professional singing teacher in making that request of students but further things that i'm doing actually is i'm in the process of um, getting a partition made in the music room which is is basically a perspex or clear screen mm -hmm. um, so people will stand at one side of the screen they will come to the door they'll knock the door there'll be the hand sanitizer i'll ask them to come in wearing a mask and because they're coming into my home and um mm. Oh, it is what it is and I want like say, both of us to be safe I too will be masked and then they'll come in and we know each other well and I'm a pleasant kind of person so my I would put them at ease and then we they go into their lovely singer's booth and then I will sit at the piano and and the, the lesson will be conducted as normal and that the way it would work harmonies I also have to think about the traffic you know the flow mm -hmm. of, of course yeah 
So the other thing that will happen is we're all becoming wonderfully more familiar with technology in Zoom. So my lessons happen on a fortnightly basis. So they'll come for one lesson face to face and then the other lesson will be across Zoom. And uh, goodness me, that has been the surprise of a lifetime. Zoom lessons. Who knew or singing could be so successful? I mean, really, I can honestly, honestly say that, uh, and I've taught for years now, the Zoom lessons have been doing remarkable things. Um, and if there's anybody out there and you're thinking, Zoom lessons, how does that work? Oh, it's blah, blah. But really, the reason it works is because you're working a combination, um, as you know, Harmony, with, with videos, recordings, and then the lesson. So you're actually far more, you know, value for your money. <laughs> so it's really, really good. It's great. I'm very pleased. And then, so, so that, that really is the plan. But do you know the, the big thing is still the same as it's always been and and you know for years where i will still be saying to my pupils and you know if you're not well if you feel a bit paley wally as we talk about in scotland do yourself and me a favor and just stay home and we can rearrange it's not a problem mm -hmm. that's fine well hopefully that's encouraging to other music teachers out there who um, are trying to reconfigure how they do oh their jobs um, and if people would like to get some more of your professional tips and even check out that video that you did which involves a flame yes camera which is very exciting um, <laughs> it's, it's a short video but it's you know it's fairly yeah. riveting um, how how would people connect with some of your little you've, it's like you're doing little tutorials for people little food for thought I, <laughs> that too has been quite a recent thing um, because previously when I would have put things up, people weren't really clicking on, you know, there, there wasn't that same discussion around singing. So um, probably just keeping a wee eye to Facebook in the meantime um, and um, if they want to connect by way of asking me questions or finding out more, they can do that through my website, which is just Sylvia Burnside. That's great. So that's a little bit about the the logistics of what your life is going to look like. It'd be interesting to check in with you in a few months and see how that's yeah. going with the perspex screen in your house. Some people might be wondering how much something like that costs. But anyway, we'll save that for a different different conversation. But um, so the the worship side of things, because you are a singer, but you are also involved in serving in your church family in worship and so talk to us a bit about your story there are some very interesting things about your story that for me really connect with this question of what is worship but also this season that we find ourselves in where we're asking the question to sing or not to sing so mm. if you wouldn't mind sylvia sharing a bit of your story with us yeah well this spell is not, as I've been saying, it's not unfamiliar to me. It's not a completely new territory. Um, uh, we singers tend to move from through cycles of singing and not singing. Um, and there can be lots of reasons for that. Um, I, I would love to tell you, Harmony, that the reason we stop singing is because we have um, 
really connected with the Holy Spirit's presence and he has prompted us to stop. And he said to me, now, Sylvia, I want you to stop singing. <laughs> and truly, truly, if that happens, I'm like, I'm sorry, Lord. I, and, and there have been times where he's asked me to, to stop. But, um, but very often there's, there's some sort of like, anatomical pathological whatever reason that i've, I've had mm -hmm. to stop but the whole start of singing for me um was not as people would expect because um when people hear me singing hear me speaking of it there is this oh, completely you know understandably they imagine that i always sang um and i, I certainly always had pitch um but if you call singing only a boy named David, only a little sling, only a boy named David, and three, you know, it, it was, oh my goodness me, it was so Scottish. We are getting our money's worth here. That was brilliant. <laughs> it was, I mean, I was loud. I was, as you say, I was humorous. Sorry, that's my front door closing. They're, they're just, I, I mean, I, I was just a, a regular kid. And when I went to nursery school, I actually became really, really good at singing out of key. Like, phenomenally good, you know? Uh, it just, sat on a Sylvia, what are you doing? So, so I really, I, I wasn't so much a singer, but just a child who appreciated music. But um, I, I, I had good years in Scotland, and and you know I, I learned lots. But there were difficult spells as well. And when I look back on my childhood, while I had the most wonderful, loving safe family um, who nurtured me with everything they had to nurture me with. The, the sad reality is that outside of the family home, um, I really quickly find myself um, operating in a, a very hostile environment. Mm -hmm. um, I was just a wee, well, I wasn't wee, I was, I was quite tall. I had hearing difficulties, so I was visiting audiology all the time and enduring a lot of pain on those visits mm. um, and couldn't hear a lot of the things that were happening in the classroom. And they really, it was a time when people didn't really know, you know, what, what sort of concessions do you make for this kind of situation? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I really became the ideal target, shall we say. And, and we talk about bullying in school, we know about it, we're familiar with it, and it rolls off our tongue with ease. Um, and we know it's wrong, but sometimes we don't really know the extent to what's going on. And for me, violence was a, a very, very powerful feature during that time. And um, I, I think it's fair to say now as an adult Christian looking back that the, the enemy was, was really enjoying himself and taking delight in what was happening and playing out um, in other children's lives as they really just hounded me. Mm -hmm. Those days where I, I had to um, find different routes home because I daren't take the same route any two days in a row. So it was a, an mm -hmm. awful time and I, it really came to an absolute head um, when actually I was attacked in class and held in a headlock 
and was unable to breathe oh and could help and the teacher was blissfully unaware of what was going on mm -hmm. so it was a, a terrible trauma and um, I began to develop twitches and my mum began to realise that something's not wrong and I remember as a child thinking I'm broken there's something broken inside me mm. um, I can't fix it and, and whatever is broken is attracting this so it's my fault um, of course we all know it's, it's not but, but that's how it felt um, and I'd love to tell you that it stopped even when I moved on to another school but the sad fact is that when something is broken it is broken and, and we we do find that brokenness tends to attract more brokenness so there was, I would say, probably a period of about between eight and ten years where life in my mind and in my heart and in my wee spirit was just um, a struggle. Um, and really, by the time I was a teenager, there, you know, an early teenager, we're talking like 12, 13, um, there were periods of really a, a delusional mindset where I had gone so far into that kind of um, imaginary place that it became actually really difficult for me to tell what was real and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. Now, a fascinating thing that happened at that time was that God, the Lord became my absolute refuge and my strength. I can say that, I, oh my goodness, I can say it, say it, say it, say it, say it. I used to set up a chair in my bedroom and pluff up the cushion. And even although I knew I would get up the next day and there wouldn't necessarily be any dent on the cushion, that, that was where Jesus was going to sit. And I, I got that I preferred not to sleep in bed. I slept down on the floor on a, on a mattress and I pulled my knees up into my chest. Mm -hmm. And I, I really just wanted to get back to the source. Um, and I, I used to say things to Jesus like, Jesus, I, I, I think probably you could just take me home now. I, I think you could just, um, I, I think that's called dying. Maybe I need to die. Uh, now, I don't want you to misinterpret this as that I was suicidal. I, I promise you I wasn't. But, but what it was, was that I realized that in my present state, I couldn't do anything. I wasn't getting anywhere. Um, and learning disabilities were now really starting to become very apparent. So there was lots, oh my goodness. Looking back, it, it's incredible. So during this time, I, I was bought a Sony Walkman as a present, right? Who knew Sony Walkmans, come on, those wee rubbish headphones, right? Yep. And you're I had one of those. Oh, Harmony. And, and look, once again, I would love to sit here and say, and the Lord spoke, and Jesus spoke, and he sat in the chair, and he said, Sylvia, you need to listen to this hymn. You're not going to believe this. The first album that I bought was Wet, Wet, Wet. <laughs> right? I don't even really know who they are. I do. You, you, I am so impressed. Mm. So I am listening to Wet, Wet, Wet. I am giving it, you know. And, I, and there was something about the music and the lyrics. And I, I'm talking to the Lord. I'm listening, I'm listening. And then as well as that, I was reading Pilgrim's Progress. Mm. And, and given the fact that I was struggling with learning, difficulties to, to even read Pilgrim's Progress or read anything was you knew right something's changing something's going on so every single night for I would say somewhere again between maybe eight and ten months I would say 
um, uh, I did the same thing. And um, a funny wee story that came out of it um, because of the delusional mindset was I, I did actually manage to convince some of my friends in school that I was the backing vocalist for Wet Wet Wet. It's so sad to think that in my mind and heart, I believed it. Um, and when I look back on that memory, it's as if it was true. So that just shows you, you know, but, but this, was, this was a pattern that was happening and I was singing and singing and singing. But here's the thing, I wasn't making any noise. It was completely silent. Complete, no one knew it was happening. It was out of sight. It was undercover. Um, my mum wasn't aware of it. No other family member was aware of it. It was, it was this really hidden experience. Um, and at the other side of that, an opportunity came up in school where um, one of the lead roles in the school show had had to pull out and they were left in a, a bit of a, a sticky wicket. And somehow <laughs> they had heard that I was the supposed backing vocal for Wet Wet Wet. And, <laughs> well, you know, if she thinks she's that good, we might as well listen to her. And they brought me in for an audition. And I remember Harmony, they played the song. And something in my heart, they, they began to modify the song thinking because they auditioned quite a number of children and they were struggling with it because it was quite technical. And they said, no, we'll modify this. And something inside me said, no, no, tell them to let you just try it. Just, just try the song. And it was that song from Guys and Dolls, I'll Know. And there's this lovely big high note at the end. And uh, so, well, okay, right. So they started playing and I sang. And I remember thinking, oh, oh, where's this coming from? <laughs> oh, and, and the teacher's playing. And she sort of is like, and, and I'm looking at her like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm hearing you, right? And so, long story short, we get to the end of all these school shows, and like that, I had gone from com a complete hidden, broken, thoroughly demoralized teenager who felt she had no purpose um, and was saying to the Lord, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just for heaven. Mm -hmm. And uh, and suddenly I'm finding myself stood in the middle of this rapturous applause um, and competitions. And, and it was quite kind of, right, okay. Um, and, um, and then actually after school, I went on to do podiatry because I didn't see myself as a musician. You know. Podiatry, really? really didn't see myself as a musician. So I went on to do podiatry. And I actually then went out to America and it was the lovely American people who went, podiatry? <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, well, you know, it's serving. Jesus washed the disciples' feet after all. What? <laughs> like, but you're a singer. Oh, I'm not a singer. I just a sing. What's the difference? Oh, my goodness. So um, uh, I actually then I, I took an asthma attack. And I thought, oh, gosh, you're right. That's what it feels like to, to actually have your life kind of, hmm, you know. And, and I wrote a letter home to my mom and I said, mom, now don't have a panic attack when you read this letter. I am going to apply to the Music Academy in Glasgow. Now, Harmony, I may tell you that in my mind, the Music Academy was like the local music school. 
I had no idea what a conservatoire was, none whatsoever. You know, it was just a place to learn music. So mm -hmm. I applied and I couldn't understand why people were saying, really? You, you haven't a mission. And I went in there not realizing I was up against, you know, people from all over the globe. Um, and uh, same thing happened. I failed miserably on every single test. And I went into the singing lesson and the same thing happened again that had happened at school. And I remember again seeing that familiar expression of, oh, right, you know. And, and I knew that that's it, I'm in. And then began a, another period of time where I was quite hidden again. Um, and um, it's interesting because I tracked back to when I had sat with my Sony Walkman and I remember being in my student accommodation and I couldn't really practice very well. So I thought, that worked then, we'll try it again. Lo and behold, the next thing was, poof, out it came. So, ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, you for sharing. Thank you for sharing all of that. So that is the context that I think is really important for this next question. You have, you have invited singers, you said to me, you invited, you've invited singers to do the same. Yeah. And to actually mouth the songs yes. rather than sing them. Yeah. yeah. So what, what is going on there? What, obviously, what? it's connected to your story, but there is some science behind there that is. as well. Yeah, and, and look, there is no question about it. A neuroscientist, now that's your next challenge, Harmonies, to get a neuroscientist on here. No problem, oh. Sylvia. <laughs> Not a problem. I'll just dial one up right after we finish this interview. <laughs> but, but, but that really, it, it's really into that whole neuroplasticity kind yeah. of of things where um, there is this wonderful thing that God has woven into the fabric of every living being and plant creature, you know, is that hidden process um, and we tend to underestimate that and we singers are, are good at underestimating that. But basically what happens is when you're a singer, and you process all of the thoughts and the thinking, um, but you don't actually make any sound. You employ significantly more nerve and muscle tissue um, as you're operating through that. It's one of the reasons like, why when you go to a glorious concert and someone or an orchestra or the, you know, perform or whatever, they play something. And you know those times when you're crying and you're popping and you're going, <laughs> you know, it, it has such a tug on your core. Um, and what a lot of people don't realize is that your entire body responds to music. Um, and when we're just in the function of communicating all the time, we use significantly less and, and I mean significantly less and the problem is that uh, as a singer and for I speak even just for myself if I am just constantly churning it out those muscles get quite automatic we'll say they, they get almost like automatic pilot and I can quickly find that ceiling heights and boxes and things begin to close in around me um, and I start to wonder hmm okay, this is, I'm not, uh, something's stuck. 
I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not getting, I'm not breaking through in this. Um, and actually, if I then take the sound, strip the sound right off it and get right into, um, you know, just listening. And actually, um, last night I was um, working as I have been actually during lockdown. Um, I've been really drawn again to, you know, that song, This Is Amazing Grace. I love that song. Now, there's other songs that I've been doing, which are, are not, I'm looking for my lyrics, but I can't see them. Um, but um, I have been finding myself sitting at the piano with the headphones on, you know, and, and working and listening to sounds. And I can hear the lyrics in my head and I can hear, feel and perceive what I'd be doing with my voice, but I'm refusing to engage. I'm disciplining myself to keep me out. Um, and the reason is, is because the territory that that takes me into is such a deep place of interaction with the, the communication of that song. The, uh, if it's a worship song, we, we might even take that a step further. I know I certainly would and, and say that I, I go into a, deep, a place of deep prayer um, and, and reverence for God and I can feel his spirit pouring into me. That, that then it means when the time comes for me to sing again, I have something to give. But, but better than just having something to give harmony, I, I have accumulated a, a vast vat, as it were, of, of additional newness and freshness that, that I just was never going to get. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, there's that spiritual aspect. Um, you know, in the secular world, they maybe wouldn't necessarily, well, they might call it spiritual, actually, truthfully. Um, but, but, but even just in the physiological and the mental, there is that feeding into the muscles um, that you, you really can't get at any other time. And, oh, the challenge for me as a teacher is convincing my students, please stop singing. You know, but I have to have an exam coming up. Stop singing! I know you have an exam coming up, but you you need to you need to perceive it. If you can't perceive it, if you can't hear it, you can't sense it. You you don't get you don't get that deeper, more profound layer. I think sports, all the time. The sports people know about this. Yeah, you know, they do. So I think why I'm getting emotional is that line that you said when the time comes to sing again when that time comes and for many of us we're either being invited by our government regulations or we are choosing as the case is for my situation in Northern Ireland and hopefully others as well choosing to lay down our right to sing yeah. um, but when we sing again when we sing again what are we coming back to that place of singing with and i sense that you have just cast a beautiful vision for us and we talk about this in terms of spiritual formation all the time but you've spoken into our singers worldview here when the time comes to sing again what are we re-entering with and so Cast a little more vision for us, Sylvia. What, what might that look like when we come back to singing? What, what muscles will we have developed? What, you will, what you'll find is when you go into a place of silence, the, the body still wants to express. And that's why 
we engage all of these additional muscles and nerves and things that we wouldn't otherwise be using. Um, and we might find that we, we start to draw in shapes and, and physical movements and, and things that become, that fill that gap of expression. And what's incredible is that when you then come to sing, your mind and your heart and your spirit remembers that. It remembers that place and it calls it right up to the front and um, it, it embodies the sound because in, it, singers know that if the sound is not embodied, then it's just this lovely, nice melody with a nice tune. And we might say, wasn't that really lovely? Yeah. But we very easily walk away and not really be, be moved by it. But when a singer, and they, they might not even be the best singer. I mean, that's, this is the incredible thing, Harmony. That, please don't imagine that this just boils down to the, the honing of the sound itself, because actually the, the larynx is just a valve. It's not anything fancy, and it will vary from person to person, and style to style, and musician to musician. So we, we can't kind of just say, well, well, that's the definition of a beautiful sound. No, it has to be something that is significantly deeper, and that comes from that memory, that experience, that um, sometimes the grief, the pain, the absolute joy, the, the compassion, the love. Um, and speaking entirely from my, my own world as a singer and, and someone who, who is, is always thinking about this context between being a singer and, and a worshipper, um, and, and look, we've heard people say, I've heard people say so many times, oh, well, you can't separate the two. Uh, I completely agree. Um, but I, I've got to be honest, I hadn't quite worked out what that meant, you know, that you can't separate the two. I knew that it was right. But I would say that during lockdown and this time of just reflecting and sitting and reflecting and sitting and reflecting and playing and, and not being really out there, I am being reminded that Jesus walks through my feet. Jesus extends compassion and love and care through my hands. Jesus looks through my eyes. Jesus hears through my ears. Um, he, he beats with every heartbeat that I have. Um, so every experience I have, whether it's silent or whether it's voiced, he is right in that so that when my husband has had a, a, an exhausting day and I prepare a lovely family meal, Jesus made that, <laughs> made that meal. And, and, and these are the kind of things that I'm finding myself, things I knew, but things that I'm finding are now coming into my singing where I'm, I'm just in that place of, Lord, we're in this together. And as I, as I play and as I sing, we do this as a united front um, and people will, will respond, not because of me, but just because of my partnership with him and because he lives and breathes through me. And for a long time, I would have been much more aware of the surround sound Jesus, you know, who's before me, behind me, beside me, above me, below me, would have known that. Oh, know that he, he walks and he moves and he functions and that the best of me is in 
creativity and productiveness with him, now that's a different level of worship. And, and that means that I, as the Bible says, I can't even so much as offer a glass of water, but it's Jesus handing me the glass of water. And, and that's, do you know, that glass of water, who's to say that that is not a profound moment for someone that singing can't even touch? And if I can't give the glass of water, you know, as a singer even, even aside from everything else, and I can't operate in that compassion and that responsibility of care, as I mentioned about, about being a teacher, then I, I can't really sing my best. I can't really give up my best. I can't call on that muscle memory, so to speak. So you're saying worship is not just singing, is it? No. And we all know <laughs> that, don't we? But the reality of it for us as singers can be, um, it can feel like a loss, like a grief to lay down this. It's, it, it's a challenge. Mm. Um, it, it really is. I have seen times, you know, where I didn't know what was going on with my voice, you know, because there was maybe some or other change happening, which happens as you get older. Um, and really in my prayer saying, Lord, if this is the start of the vocal decline, I don't know what I'm doing with that. I don't know where I go with that. You're going to have to teach me because otherwise we're going to enter another very broken Sylvia stage very, very quickly. And, and it is. Um, and, you know, when a singer says, I am wretchedly feeling detached from what just needs to come out. Do you know what? We need to pay attention to that. We can't belittle that. We can't pad it down and say, don't be daft. Don't be ridiculous. You know, worship is, you, is everything. Of course it is, and we know that. But in, in singers, there's this intrinsic thing that is like, if I don't get, you know. But what, I'm say, what I guess I'm saying to singers is don't undervalue or underestimate the silence. Mm -hmm. Silence is a profound tool. And silence is a place where you will find a part and an aspect of your voice and your being and your faith and your life that you never imagined was remotely possible. Um, and without going too deeply into this, because I, I don't really feel I totally have the authority to do that, but we speak so readily of revival. And if I look at my own life, I would say the periods of revival in my own life were preceded, you know, you know, that there was this period of just you know. <laughs> so I feel like the Lord has us on his bow and is just drawing that arrow back. And we're probably in a, a place of immense tension at the minute. Oh, it's like, you know, that point. And we have to marvel at really the wondrous shooting off that has to come from that. And I, I think it's a really special time. And it's been a very special time for me. So I really appreciate that challenge to silence. And I think this is an incredible opportunity 
to me, this pandemic is, I feel like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I say to myself, Harmony, <laughs> this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to actually be still and hear the Lord. And it's amazing how much you can busy yourself, <laughs> even uh, whilst knowing that that's true. So it's a continual reminder, be still, be still, Harmony, be still. Yes, maybe you want to redo your garden. Yeah. Are you being still? Maybe you can redo your garden and be still at the same time, but being still, be silent. Mm -hmm. So, so good. That's such a word for us in this season. We've been talking a lot about Samuel. Mm -hmm. Samuel hearing the voice of the Lord, which that time the voice of the Lord was really rare. Yeah. And maybe that's true now, but I actually feel like there's a lot of voices of the Lord. There's a lot of noise, isn't there? And yeah. so to actually turn that noise off or at least down in this mm -hmm. season is such an opportunity. And I don't think that it's just for us singers and worship leaders. I, I see you also casting vision for us as worship leaders to be able to invite people to engage in worship and encounter with the Lord to um, participate fully, even with their bodies, to even embody an experience of worship without mm -hmm. singing anything out loud. Yeah. Which is kind of head melting, particularly in a place like the vineyard where we're so, we're, we're really well down this track of our, our vineyard liturgy looks a certain way and that's great, it's really good. And we really value the priesthood of all believers. Everyone gets to play. And so when everyone can't sing, we can think, oh, how does everyone get to play? Well, maybe they can still play. I, yeah. I seem to feel that, you know, that excitement and that energy. We can invite our people to go there, but maybe your challenge to us is also that we as worship leaders need to go there first ourselves and we can't take people somewhere we haven't gone. And mm -hmm. you were forced to go there as a young person. <laughs> and, yeah. And that is a very compelling story, you know. So there's this piece that was probably, you, you were given a voice. You were given a voice, but also you honed something in the hidden place. Yeah. Which you didn't even know what you were cultivating, did you? You didn't even no. realize until you opened your mouth in front yeah. of another person and it sounds like you were as surprised as they were shocked more <laughs> <laughs> surprised than they were and so i wonder will we experience that same sort of surprise like oh, what is this thing that is coming out <laughs> whether that's in song or if it's the cup of water that we're giving out or the meal we're serving to our families um I'm I, I'm sensing a hey we're gonna be surprised we're gonna be so um, blown away by what the Lord is going to do far more than we could ask for or imagine that's what I hear in your story you're and right through, through the suffering because it wasn't easy no through the suffering through the pain which is hey we're we're all suffering to some degree um, some of us on a first world level <laughs> of not being able to go on holiday or something you know. But we are all experiencing some level of, 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 of pain in this season. And the Lord can do such incredible things, things that we can't even ask for or imagine. So 
I'm just so encouraged by your story. Um, maybe as a final point, what would you, what would be your word of encouragement to us as worship leaders uh, in the vineyard? Maybe if people are tuning in outside of the vineyard, that's great too, but primarily in the vineyard, worship leaders, singers, um, it's a difficult time. What, what would you say to us? And then I would love you to pray for us as well, Sylvia. I would compel you to do what Oswald Chambers would have taught about, where he, he said that the Christian has the wonderful opportunity of looking around them. And, and when there's those moments where, because of lots of distraction, we, we have the potential to forget, we just don't quite know what's going on, we forget. He, he would say, look, just look at creation. And, you know, it's been interesting in this journey because there's been lots of talk about nature and what nature is doing. And our night skies over this time have been absolutely shouting, mm -hmm. declaring the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And I would say that it, it's a time to stop and to just look and observe and look at God's creation. He just has this lovely way of weaving his promises into everything um, and we are finding people referring to the rainbow as this feature of promise and of hope people who wouldn't even really have had either an interest in God's word or, or anything like that you mentioned at the beginning about this investment in prayer and people beginning to tune in and to ask questions and to wonder and um, for me, I am just constantly harmony looking around. I find myself noticing things, noticing sounds, noticing patterns, um, things that were always there. It's not like they've just suddenly appeared. They were always there, but they're all saying the same thing. God is God is God is God is God, is God, is God. And, and there, there's no argument with that. There's no other surprises or mm -hmm. other layers or anything. He just, he is God. And he has everything, everything. I mean, even the governments, he has, you know, he carries the governments. He, he carries the fabrics of the universe. He carries the, the, the things in science that we can't understand. And uh, as um, uh, one pastor once said, and of course can't remember his name, it's almost as if God's saying, come on, <laughs> come on, you think you know, come on a wee bit, just a wee bit closer. Come on, you know, there's some more surprises down here for you to see. And I know that I'm not in any way taking away from the huge amount of grief and turmoil that's happened in this time. But what I'm saying is we need to look for the beauty amongst the ashes mm -hmm. and fix our eyes on that um, because we are called to beauty and we're called to light and we're called to be salt. Um, and some of the most beautiful things have the most profound effect. You can't look at a lily and not really marvel. You can't look at a, a beautiful shrub in your garden and, and not really wonder. You can't look at um, the robin busying about his work 
and not think, goodness, you can't look up at the sky and look at a planet and think, I'm looking at a planet. You know, there's all of these things. So I'm being a bit long-winded and I apologize, but just look again to creation, look again to the God of the creation because he will not fail us. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us and he truly won't. And, and I feel my testimony is the thing that I clutch onto when I feel like I'm, <laughs> you know, he's never failed, never left me or forsook me ever, ever. So good. Thank you so much. Would you pray for us, Sylvia? Yeah. Lord, this season is it's a season, Lord. It's a, it's we feel like we should know from your word to expect seasons and to expect suffering and we speak so freely of it and I've spoken so freely of it um, and yet here we are in the middle of uh, a time that has so vast a range of, of feelings, emotions and journeys and experiences and, and Father I ask that you would just steady our feet. Lord I ask that you would give us the sense of the rock. Lord, I, I ask that, that while we do remember that you surround us, that you would also remind us, Father, that you live and breathe in us, that you are not the God of a box. You're not the God of a building. You're no longer confined in anything that you do, Father, but that you are the God who walks in our feet and moves through our hands and sees through our eyes and hears through our ears and gives utterance where it's appropriate and, and, and blesses people. And I pray, Lord, that you would fill our mouths in this time with blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing that, Lord, when we then begin to speak those blessings, that it delights you, Father, to allow us to see how those blessings are operating and what the, the far reaches that they're achieving. And Lord, we thank you for a time that you, oh, I guess, are calling us into um, a partnership with you and a time where we, we get to just be still and to know that you are God. And Lord, I, I ask that all of the, the people who, who may be listening to this, Father, that you would, even just in this moment, just fill them with a stillness and a sense of your utter nearness, Father God, that they, they realize that as they breathe and they inspire, that God is inspiring within them. And that as they then sing when, when that time comes, and, and no matter what way that looks, that there will be there will be nothing, nothing will stop or prevent your glorious, wonderful kingdom from marching headlong into everything, Father, that you have planned. And that surely, Lord Jesus, your goodness and your mercy will follow us all the days of our life 
And so, Lord Jesus, we, I, I pray that we will not be dismayed. We will not be upset. We will not be moved. We will not be shaken. We'll be held and we will know that you are God. You are God. You are God. You are for us and you are in us and you are working through us. And I ask, Lord Jesus, oh, all of this, Lord, knowing that it's already given. Oh, knowing that it's already given, Lord. Nevertheless, Father, I thank you. I honour you. I bless you. And I pray bless these people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sylvia, as you were praying there, I, I felt when you were naming all the parts of the body, but not the voice, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, notice that about what Sylvia is saying. Notice that she's not saying the voice. You mentioned the voice later on at the end of your prayer. And I feel like there's an invitation to us as worship leaders to notice the rest of the body. We can be very um, siloed or kind of cliquey sometimes even in worship as how we relate to the rest of the body of Christ, even in our own communities. And I feel like for us worship leaders, if you're watching this today, if you're listening to this, uh, this is an invitation to us to notice the other parts of the body of Christ, to mm -hmm. notice the hand, to notice the feet, um, to maybe even go with the hand, with the foot, to go places we maybe haven't gone before. And I love that you actually touched on that earlier in your, in one of the earlier questions, Sylvia. So I think that is a, a word to us. And then later you touched on the singing thing again. And yes, we will see again, but there are so many opportunities in this season for us who are probably more inclined to stick to our instruments and our voices and you know, maybe we're there for all the right reasons. Maybe we're totally called to be there, but even still, there's some riches to be gained from seeing what the rest of the potty does when we're busy on our platforms. So anyway, thank you for that, Sylvia. Thank you for sharing your heart, your story. It's very personal, um, very encouraging, and also for sharing some wisdom for those who are watching this who are musicians and singing teachers and i hope that's been a big help to some people and thank you so much for taking the time out today and we hope to maybe touch base with you again in a while and see how you're getting on um thank you for being here. you're so much fun it's a joy to see your face you're always smiling thank you so much sylvia just for being you you are amazing <laughs> thank you